0: you're tuning in to an episode of Announcements on the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Here we feature sponsored content where, while I don't get to choose the guest, I do get to choose the questions, the topics, and the things discussed. While I do have some editorial oversight over this, the decision of what to do with this information is entirely up to you. Now, enjoy. Hello, and welcome to an episode of Announcements. This is your host, Lucian. And this week, joining me is Jonathan from PBSA. Hi, Jonathan. Hello. Happy to be here. Good. So do you want to tell us, first of all, what PBSA stands for?
1: Sure. It's it's a bit of a, it's a very short acronym for a very long name. It's uh, Pure (laughs) Pure Play's Blockchain Standards Association. So when we go to introduce ourselves, obviously we use PBSA.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely a mouthful. And um, tell us about what um, PeerPlay does and what the association does. Sure,
1: so uh, PBSA was founded back in uh, 2016, sorry. Uh, Back then, this is when the PeerPlay's blockchain was just starting to uh, come into formation. Uh, So, as an association, uh, we're dedicated to supporting the PeerPlays blockchain and providing uh, standards uh, in regards to uh, its uh, provably fair gaming, uh, in regards to what uh, recommendations we make uh, in ways that the blockchain can better uh, support Provably fair gaming worldwide. So the PeerPlays blockchain started in, it, it actually, the blockchain itself launched in 2017, uh, several months after the formation of PBSA. So what we do is um, ongoing with our support. We've done things like we've developed applications uh, for the blockchain, uh, we provide recommendations to the community in relation to. Uh, matters, uh, with governance, uh, matters with governance, matters with uh, what types of uh, ways the blockchain can better serve uh, the gaming community.
0: Okay, so the um, PBSA specifically is a nonprofit that um, deals with the uh, peer play community and standards and blockchain, and it's like a, the independent wing of the blockchain itself, correct?
1: That's right. Um, as a, uh, in terms of our mission, uh, we don't hold any PPY tokens, which is the core token of the pure plays blockchain. Uh, we do, what we do is, is we, we really just provide ongoing education, uh, both to the community as well as the world on large. So uh, there's lots of companies and there's lots of organizations that are looking for solutions in the gaming sector. Uh, to and what blockchain can offer, and we believe that PurePlays is certainly uh, one of the best solutions out there. Uh, and I think that as we as we continue to develop it, it could become the best solution.
0: Great. So let's jump in straight into the details of the blockchain. Um, how do you? So you built off of uh, which blockchain a blockchain platform?
1: So. Peerplays started from a uh, forking of BitShares, uh, specifically BitShares 2.0. Uh, my past uh, in the blockchain sector uh, actually begins with BitShares. <laughs> a long time ago, I was uh, interested in Bitcoin mining. Uh, as I started to look into it, I then got intro. I then got introduced into BitShares, and I was fascinated by. The, uh, the consensus mechanism, which uses DPoS delegated proof of stake. Uh, so uh, I got much more involved with bid shares back then. Uh, back then it was actually still uh, in version one, which is a, a much older uh, version of its blockchain. But then uh, I was involved when it, it was launched with 2.0. And when that new technology got introduced, uh, we saw that its, it's abilities as a decentralized exchange was fantastic. And I started to understand that these capabilities need to be introduced into other verticals, uh, specifically in the gaming sector. So uh, that's when we started to develop the concepts around uh, what pure plays could be and using the same type of technology that BitShares had to offer.
0: Uh, Cool, and BitShares has been around. Um, I also heard that Steemit runs off of BitShares (laughs) 2.0.
1: That's right. So the... Steemit was, was uh, developed based off of the same type of technology that Bitshares uses, which is referred to as Graphene. Uh, these are, of course, uh, this technology was, was primarily developed by Dan Lammer's team uh, back when they developed the 2.0 version. And uh, right about the same time that Steamit was, uh, or Steam was uh, launched, uh, was roughly the same time that, uh, it, that Pure Plays was actually being introduced.
0: Nice. And uh, Dan Lamnier is also the developer of EOS, correct?
1: That's right. And uh, the creation of EOS was, of course, another uh, uh, technically a fork of BitShares. Okay. Uh, so they, they use the same type of technology uh, in order to achieve the, the, the speed and capacity that, the, that these blockchains have.
0: So what's the difference between uh, BitShares 2.0 and Graphene and EOS?
1: So there's a couple of differences. Uh, EOS specifically has uh, dynamic, dynamic permission capabilities. Uh, the, whereas BitShares is a very, uh, it, it works on a very uh, hard consensus. So in order to update BitShares, you have to get all the witnesses to uh, to agree to the update and so forth. Uh, with EOS, on the other hand, being a smart contract platform, it has the di- the ability to actually dynamic dynamically update. So uh right at the core foundation there's there's an ability for it to be able to be much more agile in regards to uh these updates uh BitShares, on the other hand is uh it, t- it takes a little bit more effort in order to uh update uh certain functions and operations so because of that it has certain advantages so some people of course um it, it has more it has more similarities to bitcoin in that regard uh versus eos where um it doesn't require a full consensus in 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 regards to some major in in regards to some updates on the other hand there are some major forks that do require their witnesses to do updates like right now i know they're going through a a major update right now for version 1.8 so these are there's some slight differences but uh in regards to uh how d post works delegated proof of stake specifically uh they're very there's a lot of similarities
0: so um I'm not going to go into any more detail. It's the kind of last question, but is it specifically the dynamic allocation or voting for who's a validator that's different between EOS and uh, BitShares?
1: That is slightly different, yes. Okay. Um, where the consensus mechanism for uh, EOS has been changed, uh, they've added a layer where there's uh, differences in regards to... Uh, Depending on how much you're, how many votes you have, how, is going to determine how much of the uh, block reward you'll get. Uh, versus uh, in BitShares, it is exactly the same for all of the uh, all the witnesses that get uh, that that get votes. On top of that, um, EOS has a static number, so they will they only will allow for 21 active uh, block producers at any given time whereas BitShares actually allows for dynamic allocation. So you can, uh, depending on what the uh, voters decide, they can decide, okay, we wanna have 25 uh, 25 witnesses uh, versus just having 21. They can even go as much as uh, technically a thousand if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, it's not likely that's ever gonna happen because it's just impossible to keep track of a thousand node operators.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and because uh... I'm assuming because it's a delegated proof-of-stake system, the communication between nodes grows, um, grows quadratically, correct? That's right. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, this is basically like a long-winded intro to say that you guys have a provably fair gaming system built on top of this. Right, so it, the type of blockchain and the consensus mechanism, and especially the validation process, makes a lot of difference in how you achieve provable fairness. Um, do you want to explain about like the actual mechanism that you uh, that you've implemented in order to get provably fair gaming on this blockchain? So a
1: lot of it lends to the ability to be able to have delegated proof of stake um, for for the operations that need to take place when transactions are processed, right? Uh, so as long as we have a consensus in terms of the versioning of the operations, and as long as we have um, everybody running the same types of nodes, uh, we can have it, have it operate so that gaming and game functions are actually happening in a decentralized manner versus having it happen with an operator. Uh, a lot of projects out there right now uh, if, if you've ever looked at any of them, uh, are tend to be pretty much a duplicate of what happens in the world today. You, ha- you end up with pretty much an op- a single operator who is using blockchain on the back end. And that's all finding good to some degree in regards to having uh, an audit trail, right? Uh, but you lose, of course, um, the real beauty of what blockchain has to offer. You know, basically, a lot of times when people ask me about, you know, what is pure plays, I I tend to say that, you know, pure plays is the Bitcoin of gaming. Uh, So uh, just to put it simply is that we are really dedicated to ensuring that there is a a decentralization uh, and, and there's decentralization and there is blockchain. Uh, being used in a way that actually offers the real value and benefits of ensuring that uh, there's always going to be provable fairness at every level, and you're not creating a middleman, which is a lot. What a lot of other projects have done, unfortunately, uh, we see that as gaming progresses, there's inevitably going to be the need for the removal of pretty much all operators uh, at some point, uh, because the same thing is happening in the gaming industry is what's happening to the banking industry, right? Uh, you have Bitcoin that is disrupting the system that exists uh, and it's affecting this uh, these middlemen that really are not necessary anymore uh, because of the technology that's providing the uh, trust. You know, I like to say trustworthy uh, uh, transactions versus, um, a system where you're trusting someone, uh, to do these transactions. So without getting too technical, um, we, we started with BitShares and we started with delegated proof of stake and it worked well. Now, uh, the intent of pure plays and getting started was to operate as a decentralized autonomous cooperative. Uh, so something that's somewhat different from, a from, from BitShares is that, uh, with PPY token holders, the way it, the way it was designed was so that everybody who participates within the uh, decentralized autonomous cooperative, a DAC, uh, is going to actually partake in the transaction the, the transaction value uh, that's generated uh, from the network. So what this means is that if you're a PPY token holder and you are if you're a PPY token holder within peer plays, then whatever types of transactions are happening, uh, eventually uh, will accumulate, and then will become, and then be, will be distributed to all the holders. Now, that was intended so that we would see greater participation uh, in the games that would uh, be hosted on pure plays. And it was intended so that it would act more as a cooperative, which is, uh, you know, in, in real life, we have cooperatives that essentially everybody works together and everybody shares in the revenues we generate, right? uh this uh, over the years though we were seeing a lack of participation in regards to the token holders uh so over time we started to develop a new type of consensus mechanism uh which we call gamified proof of stake and this is significant because it is a uh is is a somewhat of a departure from our deposit roots <laughs> and it actually goes into uh creating a new type of consensus which Uh, aligns uh, the end users so that uh, those that are PPY token holders actually have to stake uh, their they have to stake whatever PPY they have. And then they also have to participate in the governance of the blockchain. And by participating and providing the security by with the governance of blockchain, they are going to be uh, they're going to be able to receive what we call participation rewards. And those participation rewards are are based on the same thing, essentially whatever types of uh, transactional revenues are generated from the blockchain are shared with everyone who are the PPY token holders who are participating in the governance of the blockchain. Uh, so this is this is a very different dynamic from what BitShares and POS does and what other DPOS, uh chains do because it takes away the passive um, sort of uh, governance node operator uh, class and the user class and it puts them all together, right? Where they are all benefiting from the uh, from the growth of the network as a whole. So uh, essentially right now we are in the process of uh, going through some final QA and we have some uh, front end work being done right now. But within the next month, we're introducing this new gamified proof of stake. And once that's introduced, uh, we're gonna see a whole new uh, change in the way that PeerPlays works in regards to um, the uh, participation uh, with PPY token holders, and this means that, and this is important because it's uh, it's it's it means that there's a more engaged community. There's a there's a, a greater security to the network because, uh, as you may know from other delegated proof of stake networks, there's a problem in regards to voter uh, voter turnout and uh, voter uh, interaction. It tends to be that where there's only a small percentage that actually participate. And usually, that percentage is these whales that don't uh, necessarily always have the network as a whole um, in their best interests. So, by creating a system of gamified proof of stake, it gamifies the mechanism to a degree so that the, everyone who's a token holder has a reason to actually participate uh, and has a reason to want to see the growth of the network. And it's very easy to participate, so it's it doesn't have a it's not like a huge technical blocker either, which is another issue in regards to those who want to be able to generate revenues from a, from a post network. Uh, I understand that's a very long winded answer and I can you some more information. So I'll, I'll, I'll just stop now. <laughs> um,
0: no worries. So, um, if I can basically paraphrase, um, gamified proof of stake is playing on the mechanism that delegated proof of stake has established already, which is, which currently allows people to delegate, Uh, so to say, their votes towards specific validators. But the idea is then how do you actually get community participation Um, because turnout for coin votes is generally very low. Um, So then you create a gamification or incentive mechanization uh, mechanization in order to incentivize uh, the individual smaller token holders to participate in the um, management and community decision-making process as well through a financial incentivization. Um, So in addition basically to the delegated proof of stake system, you also incentivize people to participate in the so-called coin votes um, as well. So not only are they voting by essentially supporting uh, specific validators, they are also voting by um, participating in these kind of community decisions that change the network rules as well. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. exactly. Cool. And it's uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. So there's this other aspect of um, delegated proof of stake system that uh, most token holders aren't as well informed or active in a lot of the communities that they participate in. Um, this is kind of an incentivization for them to stay current and up to date on this as well.
1: That's right. Um, I feel it's, it's really important uh, simply because, uh, you know, delegated proof-of-stake networks really rely on the participation of uh, the voters, and the the lack of it means uh, a lack of security. Uh, and this is something that is, you know, even, even in POS uh, and other uh, chains that use uh, some kind of a voting mechanism, or uh, of some kind. Um, it's the lack of participation that really is the killer. Um, I guess it's the same for proof of work too, really. <laughs> but, so uh...
0: my my first main concern with the with this system would be that if the whales that already participate then also get a disproportionate financial return because of their participation, doesn't this actually concentrate financial rewards to people who are already Um, large and like the people who are passive uh, token hodlers essentially I don't know forget to participate in certain votes um, and therefore get diminished in terms of their return I mean I know it creates the financial incentive for more people to participate but doesn't it also create the financial incentive uh, for people who already are um, participating actively in the network to get a higher return
1: It certainly does Um, and it's uh, frankly the when you when you look at the uh, the gamification of that type of mechanism, though, it increases the um, desire to want to be able to actually participate in in that type of uh, in the governance of the blockchain to take a more active role in everything uh, from not just node operators, but advisors and of course, and updates that are proposed to the network um, that can now be voted for Uh, so. Uh, whether you're large or whether you're small, uh, this, uh, your your participation means that you do get uh, some some of the rewards in the network. Uh, the larger ones, of course, uh, do get a, something that is proportionate to whatever they're holding. Right. Uh, the And of course, over time, when it comes to these types of networks, it's the, the longer that a network exists, the more the distribution should increase, uh, meaning more people participate, more people uh, take on more stake and so forth. Um, so it's it's gonna there'll be ebbs and flows as it goes forward.
0: Okay. Um, so this is this reminds me a lot of, uh, for example, in Australia they have a tax penalty for people who don't vote. And so therefore, their actual participation in in elections is uh, somewhere close to eighty percent, which is very high for a developed country, um, and while it may be um, unpopular to introduce a tax on people who don't vote, I think the social consequence of having a much larger and broader participation from the community in essence is worth it, Um, especially because there's security improvements.
1: Yes, but there is a very big, there is a difference between what we do and what Australia does from a psychological perspective. Um, As far as gamification goes, there's a difference between carrot and the stick right there's the reward and there's the punishment Uh, and psychologically speaking from a gamified perspective we actually uh, we actually respond better to punishment (laughs) it's unfortunate but true I hate saying it but it's uh, it's a fact that as humans we are uh, much more adept to avoiding pain than we are to moving towards reward and so uh, from a gamified perspective um, Australia has a better system where people are trying to avoid the pain of the uh, tax penalty right. uh, where we're offering a reward uh, for their participation I yeah. don't believe we will see uh, as effective uh, a turnout as what Australia has achieved but I mm-hmm. think we are going to see a much more effective turnout than what uh, just regular depost networks have achieved
0: Yeah, so regular depost networks participation rates are sub
1: 10% Yeah, at best
0: 20 at best yeah. 20. I think um, the Maker uh, token has some of the best participation, but that's under the caveat that um, they don't actually allow their main investors and their large token holders to have uh, any say in their community-making decision. So it uh, basically artificially diminishes their, um, their quote, outstanding token holders. So like they only measure... Uh, a small percentage of their outstanding tokens in their measurement. But yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting problem. And also it's maybe not as uh, important for delegated proof of stake systems um, as it is with other systems. But the idea that like you can't really have a one person, one vote type mechanism because there's no way to identify like who basically splits their uh, holdings in two accounts Um, so you have this kind of like civil resistance and you can't have a representation of users without taking into account the weight of how many tokens each of these users have, right? So,
1: yeah, you, you hit on a lot of, a a lot of points that, uh, we're very well, well, in regards to civil attack and things like that and why you can't have one vote, uh, one person kind of thing in a, a blockchain mechanism, unless you have an ID verification type of mechanism. Which kind uh, of
0: defeats the whole censorship resistance, and not to mention lot- it would open the floodgates in terms of regulating your platform, because if you know you use, let's say, New York State <laughs> uh, users, then all of a sudden you're forced to follow their crazy regulation Um
1: right and the blockchain really is not at that layer right it should no. be something that is simply an open platform that allows for different players to be able to use in different ways you know if there's somebody who comes along that wants to use peer plays and they want to have um they want to be able to for example work specifically in new york and they are uh going to be acting as an operator of some kind but they want to have provable fair layer from peer plays they can do that um, you know, we aren't going to stop them. You can't. <laughs> right. But, uh, but uh, there's, uh, you know, this is something that, a lot of businesses would like to try to do in regards to not getting left behind with the technology, with the technology improvements that are that are coming from blockchain that are being introduced to the industry. The truth is, though, it's it's a lot like what's happening now with Bitcoin in the world. You know, we have all these institutional investors giving all of their Bitcoin to these other holders uh, or these these uh, um, custodial uh, ban- these custodial holders, which is just you know crazy to everybody else. They're like, you should be holding your own. Um, but there's going to be this kind of bridging period where eventually, uh, we will get there. Uh, but in the meantime, people can use the platform how they like it. just, it has to be something that's open and public. And that's, that's really, what's important to being able to provide the transparency that's necessary in provably fair gaming.
0: Awesome. So I think this is a, a good segue to introduce a gem that I found on your website. It's. You have a headquarters in a decommissioned nuclear bunker in Nova Scotia. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. The first question is why? <laughs>
1: so this is actually where my blockchain journey began, honestly. Um, the, when I acquired, I acquired this, this uh, um, property uh, way back when, in 2012, and as I when I did, uh, there's a huge opportunity here in regards, I thought there was an opportunity at the time to consider Bitcoin mining because it has a lot of natural cooling here. Uh, all of our uh, mecha, uh, we have uh, an underground uh, well system uh, which provides limitless well water to this location and has provide the cooling for this place uh, ever since it was built back in the 60s. Uh, So I thought that I'd have a bit of an advantage in regards to looking at Bitcoin mining here. Uh, The more I looked at it, though, and the more I uh, analyzed it um, and uh, other infrastructure uh, considerations, the less uh, the less uh, interested I became. But then, of course, as I said, I I then turned on to BitShares and I was in the uh, I was in the hosting business and, of course, had a network infrastructure, which. Lends well to a delegated proof of stake network, uh, so I I was very interested in that. Uh, so that is uh, pretty much where things began, and everything really began from here, and that's uh, uh, it's it's continued to bloom. And what's interesting is that this this very place is is surrounded by uh, gaming. I mean, like what what did they do here for for the last fifty years? Was play war games, right? Mm. And there's rooms that we have in here that just kind of inspire the fact that. They also were doing cryptography here for over 50 years so we're pretty much the only ones in the industry that can say we've been doing cryptography here longer than anyone else <laughs> <laughs> but uh um it's uh it's been very helpful to uh being an inspiring place for everybody that works here um so the pbsa staff uh number uh, approximately 18 right now uh and uh everybody uh, is, uh, working here from the bunker. Uh, it's a very unique place and it's a exciting place to work from. Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. And, um, the other aspect is does actually having your own nuclear bunker improve your network somehow? Cause you're not doing custody.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, are you talking about peer play specifically? Yeah. Or, oh no. Uh, so we we don't uh, the PBSA doesn't operate any nodes in the network, so oh, it's okay, not necessarily okay. uh, it's not necessarily doing anything to improve peer plays. However, okay. um, there is uh, what's called a uh, Samson node uh, built into this place. It was installed by NATO and Department of Defense back in the '80s. What's
0: that? Uh, it,
1: it's a, a Samson node is a uh, uh, a hardened data center. Uh, So it's a a section in this building that is specifically designed to be able to block out any kind of radio or EMP frequency. Uh, So in the event, back when this place was operational, uh, NATO and Department of Defense used this location as the primary communication gateway to uh, its network. Uh, for transatlantic communication so any kind of communication that came from like cheyenne mountain in colorado or other bases across the states that were going across the atlantic passed through this location
0: right so it's like a hub in the norad nuclear defense shield network that was like an early precursor of the internet basically
1: exactly yes and so but then of course it got decommissioned and they they moved that somewhere else
0: (laughs) it's still a really cool story (laughs) yeah (laughs) Okay, cool. So um, now, we haven't talked about your live um, websites and services, right? So do you want to tell us a bit about Bookie Pro? I'm sorry, say that again? Do you want to tell us a bit about Bookie Pro? Sorry, can you say that again? I lost you there for a second. Um, it would be interesting to talk about some of your live projects. Okay, Um, And you have already launched a decentralized sports betting website called Bookie Pro.
1: Yes. So when we got started, um, PurePlays was intended to um, provide to provide proof of your gaming to the world. Right. Not to crypto enthusiasts. (laughs) So we were very focused on making something that is going to be usable and useful worldwide. Uh, and so as we looked at the, uh, possibilities of where we would start, um, we realized that one of the areas that is much, that really is in need of a solution, uh, was the sports betting sector. Um, and we believe that with the creation, what we created with Bookie Pro is where the future of sports betting and so forth is going to go. Now. I am not an expert in this by no means. However, we've had experts work on this in regards to creating it. Uh, what I can tell you is very high level uh, in regards to uh, what what happens now uh, when you have sports betting, you typically most Americans think about a sports book, right? Uh, you have a bookie who takes your bet and they have a process of managing that whole situation where they need people who are taking bets and then they need someone else who's going to take your bet and they're taking a quote unquote VIG or um, a piece of a commission off of everything that's happening, right? And so we have a situation where we have people who are managing that process and who are acting as middlemen. uh, And it's largely why uh, sports betting became illegal in many places around the world because this is just something that is just impossible to, near impossible to regulate, and then you have all kinds of opportunity for corruption, right? Uh, so, and of course, you know, we we hear all the old classic stories of people getting broken thumbs and you know, their bookies, and it's it's scary. So, <laughs> the the truth is is that this is a a, a great uh, use case for where blockchain can uh, bring transparency and accountability, and bring and and bring in smart contracts that are going to make it so that uh the the bets they're being placed uh are going to be able to uh be resolved in such a way that it's all it's all accountable it's all fair and it's all easily you know it's it's easily seen in in transparency so um with the creation of bookie pro what we have effectively is a type of a prediction market uh in in sports in sports bet in sports events right? Uh, so Bookie Pro took us the better part of two years of work uh, in relation to how it operates. Uh, and what's really exciting is that it, it utilizes a similar type of mechanism, which is popular in, in Europe, uh, which, are, which are called sports betting exchanges. Uh, and so those are what are, are, very, are very well known in Europe. And that type of mechanism we see as being far more fair. Uh, because in order for uh, a bet to be placed, somebody has to take that bet and they have to be matched. Uh, whereas, and that is happening now with a smart contract versus somebody, uh, who is, uh, somebody who is taking your bet, or in the case of sports betting exchanges, you're trusting a platform uh, to uh, whatever it's reporting, claiming that your bet is being matched, that it's actually somebody who really is matching. It's not just a computer telling you that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so within the pure place blockchain, all the predictions essentially that are being placed uh, are going onto the blockchain. They are being secured by these smart contracts. Uh, the balances are, are immediately, you know, on, on on these events. And with that, you have, you have a system that is transparent. It's fair. Um, those that are... Uh, uh, professionals in the space are able to utilize it in such a way that it's uh, it, it can provide pretty much unlimited liquidity liquidity to the various events that would happen in sports. So uh, this system is just uh, is, has been designed specifically around um, professionals. Uh, that's why it's called Bookie Pro. <laughs> nice. um, now it's important to have that because, uh, in order for a sports book per se to work or a sports, uh, exchange, uh, you need to have a, a lot of liquidity. So it's the professionals that do that, right? They're the ones that, uh, provide a lot of the liquidity and, and, and have the, um, uh, you know, the statistics and the, and the mechanisms for determining where and when they want to be able to place, uh, their predictions. So. Uh, once you have that, then you can start to introduce it to, uh, something of an entertainment layer, uh, basically for the casual better, right? So people, people really enjoy placing bets primarily because it makes, it makes the games more fun, right? They, they like to be able to, uh, you know, say they put 20 bucks on such and such, and it just makes it more interesting for them to watch the game that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so. Uh, in order to get to that stage, we've we've created Bookie Pro, and it's just gotten launched like literally last month, <laughs> and uh, it's available now as a, uh, a mechanism that can be utilized by existing operators around the world. So, if somebody wants to come along and be able to uh, set up set up Bookie Pro in a particular country and 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 follow the regulations of that of that area, and be able to utilize uh, perhaps even their own private token, they can do that. Uh, And then with that, uh, the whole entire process is something that they cannot manipulate. They would have to, it would all run through the smart contracts that are run on the pure plays blockchain and everybody would see the transparency of the whole thing. It would all be audited. Um, It's really, you know, when you look at it, it's really a, a regulators dream come true when you think about it because it's something that is so uh, open and, and transparent that it's it's something that the current industry doesn't get right now like it's basically regulators are, are running around the world chasing after everybody with a stick <laughs> and trying to make sure that uh, everybody is is doing things right without really being able to see what's going on right and so um, BookiePro Pro really solves that problem. Of uh, fairness that that happens within that industry, and and we believe that it is a platform that could easily uh, go worldwide and and just be something of the Bitcoin of sports betting, right? Uh, I like to say that because I I you know I, I appreciate Bitcoin in regards to what it's meant for money and how it's it's gone around the world and and now and just now people are starting to understand the meaning of. Of decentralization and, and how important that is to uh, having something which can be trusted, right? Uh, and in this case, we have a mechanism where it is completely decentralized. There's nobody that's going to be able to mess around with how the results are going to turn out, uh, and there's nobody that's going to be able to uh, make it so that you, uh, you know, y- you're not going to get paid out or, or anything like that, or or the um, the operator is able to mess around with. Uh, the, who placed uh, bets, who placed lays, and things like that. So it's really quite exciting um, what, what we have here, and it's taken quite a bit of time.
0: So um, do you have a native token running the platform? And I saw on your website that you take bets in Bitcoin. How does that relationship work? Okay, so...
1: <laughs> uh, Placing bets in Bitcoin uh, doesn't happen quite yet. Okay. Uh, we have we have a token that's actually called Bit Fun. Uh, I don't know if that's what you read, and maybe you thought Bitcoin. <laughs> but uh, the token right now is a native is a is a native token which we created called Bit Fun, and it's meant for demonstration purposes. Right, uh, it allows it allows for anyone to be able to uh, go ahead and use the system without actually putting up any kind of uh, real money per se. Uh, so it's a fun token. Uh, this way, uh, people can get familiar with it, uh, specifically with it, Uh the system around the world can get familiar. Uh, aside from that, uh, with the introduction of GPost, which I was just talking about, uh, with that added security to PurePlays, we are introducing a new type of mechanism, which we call SUNS. Uh, and that's short for sidechain operator nodes. And so uh, the SUNS are something else that uh, aside, that we've been working on for quite some time in relation to a Bitcoin sidechain. Uh, and so the Bitcoin sidechain is something that has been talked about in pure Plays and something we've researched and worked on for ever since the beginning. Uh, you can look all the way back to um, the early days when we first got started and we were talking about uh, creating a sidechain to Bitcoin, creating sidechains to Ethereum uh, long before it became trendy. <laughs> and uh, what we have right now is we are in the final stages of creating these sidechain operator nodes which are going to effectively make it so that uh, within PurePlays, you will have a Bitcoin address. And you'll be able to just simply deposit and withdraw it just as though you were on the native Bitcoin network. Uh, and in terms of the mechanism within the sidechain operator, uh, operator nodes, it, is, uh, it, it utilizes a, uh, a mechanism which we call cross-chain consensus protocol. And this means essentially is that we have taken the proof of work of Bitcoin and converted it to gamified proof of stake. Uh, and so in this process, you're effectively going from the proof of work into gamified proof of stake. And then you're able to, uh, without any kind of um, any kind of uh, difficulty, move back to proof of work as you leave the pure plays blockchain. Uh, it's quite exciting because it's uh, there's nothing like it that's out there. Uh, all, all kinds of solutions have been proposed and whatnot, but this is the only one that actually ties in to the consensus of the blockchain itself and actually crosses two different types of blockchain. So it's actually, um, you know, we've heard about inter-blockchain communication and whatnot uh, that's been boasted by EOS and a couple of other different blockchains, but those are all, uh, th- these are all just uh connecting to blockchains with the same consensus and the same mechanism, right? This is actually connecting to blockchains of different types of consensus and different types of connections. So it's actually an IBO, an inter-blockchain operability mechanism.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a difficult problem um, that's trying to be addressed. I mean, I think every blockchain is trying to solve interoperability in its own way. And to be able to do that with a sidechain that introduces a scaling mechanism at the same time is definitely ideal. Um, So this is still at the proposal phase. Have you started development on it?
1: We have started development on it. Uh, We've been in development of it for quite some time. The sidechain portion to Bitcoin um, required a a, a lot of work. Um, If you look at our history, you could see that we've actually done a lot of that work over the course of the last couple of years uh, and now we, we pretty much perfected what is necessary for Bitcoin itself and now the, the sidechain operating node mechanisms that tie into the consensus of peer plays are the final piece of the puzzle. And uh, we are in the final stages of completing those. We're hoping to introduce that to test net very soon. And when I say very soon, I mean within the next month or two maybe. Uh, And that's 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 going to be, I believe, is going to be the major game changer in regards to not just what it means for the blockchain industry as a whole, but um, in terms of what it means for pure plays and for its applications and its ability to utilize Bitcoin uh, for, uh, it's gaming transactions of, of any kind and any kind of applications that are built on it, uh, in a trustless, uh, I hate that term, sorry, trust, trustworthy manner. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I understand why. Cause it doesn't really mean anything to be trustless. Like you, there's still a client somewhere <laughs> that you haven't personally yeah, audited. Yeah. So you're still trusting something no matter what. Um, so currently you have a native token, you have a, like, um, BitFun, I think you said, uh, token as well for like demoing and testing. Um, are you currently listed on, uh, any exchanges with your native token? So BitFun is not
1: listed. No, no, not, Um, not the BitFun
0: token. You have a native token for your, uh, Blockchain. I mean, the reason that I ask is because you currently have a betting platform in Bookie Pro, correct? So the question is: is right. how do you attach value to uh, the bets that you make currently on your platform?
1: Right now, the only, the only, the only support is with BitFun, and that's that's all the that PBSA has has put out. But uh, what I can tell you is that just from what I'm seeing happening in the community. Um, the witnesses uh, who are uh, the node operators in the network and the community have uh, gone about implementing what looks like uh, they're looking at working on a, a PPY version, actually, which would support the PPY token. Uh, now, of course, everybody's waiting for us to introduce the uh, sidechain operating nodes so that Bitcoin can be introduced in the pure place. Uh, but as far as the network goes, um, Play's natively is capable of creating, um, tokens, uh, for, and, uh, for end up op- a, a different for a few occasions that if somebody wants to introduce something to a country per se and follow the rules, they could actually generate uh, their own token, just like an ERC 20 in, in Ethereum, although ours are better in some ways, uh, they would be able to have that token and be able to have that pegged to whatever the native currency of that country might be uh and it becomes something that's easy for people to understand and easy for people to adopt uh versus uh trying to convert people to cryptocurrency again a bridging mechanism i believe eventually everybody is just going to move to bitcoin or something similar to bitcoin uh that is going to just be what everybody demands uh versus the 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 fiat currencies uh but we're just not there yet Uh, but as far as as far as value goes um like like i said PPY is something that the uh, witnesses and the Peer Place community are looking at doing now. Um, and I believe that there's just a few things that they need to do in order to uh, complete that. I don't know when that will be introduced. I imagine pretty soon because they're pretty anxious to do that. Uh, but as far as exchanges go, uh, PPY is traded on uh, a handful of exchanges right now. I know that we're listed, if you look at CoinMarketCap, you can see we're listed on IDAX, X-Rates, um, Uh, live coin uh we're of course are in uh we're of course in in bid (laughs) shares through rudex uh so there's there's multiple places that you can you can access PPy. okay
0: interesting so there is some dependence on um i forgot how you termed them but essentially the people who post country specific front-end applications that could allow Mm -hmm. people to currently uh bet with value on it um These aren't directly maintained, or actually they have no connection to PBSA, correct? Like no legal connection, but they basically use the same software. Um, So these are country-specific platforms that essentially, that is how you essentially uh, follow regulation of specific uh, areas. Is that, did I understand correctly?
1: That's correct. So let's say for example somebody uh wanted to utilize Bookie in a particular country. I,
0: let's I say the United we're... States, because it's a fragmented oh, well, market. Of course. <laughs> let's yeah, start with that's... the most difficult.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's start with the most difficult. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so um so yeah, let's say that they wanted to do in the United States. Theoretically um, they're looking at having the license in every single state. <laughs> so uh, they have to have fun with that. Uh, they would be, it, our system makes it really easy for them to, um, well, I would say easy per se, but uh, it's, it's easy for us to be able to guide them in regards to creating uh, the geolocation. And they would be looking at having the registration process come through their own um, uh, registrar node. Right, so uh, from that they're able to be able to be compliant with whatever KYC uh, issues that they have in the region that they're set up in, and then of course using their own token, they're capable of being able to have control over that within their network as well. Uh, So that is going to allow them to be able to operate Bookie from within within any uh, particular region and gain all the benefits that can be had in that situation, which is. They're using a blockchain, they have the transparency, they have the auditability uh, that is far beyond really uh, what existing regulations actually call for uh, in regards to, in most cases, uh, in regards to uh, how um, they operate because they're using, they're going to be using the pure place blockchain as the back end in a way that doesn't allow them to be able to uh, alter the results or alter how it operates. Uh, very easily unless it's a proposal which goes out to the witnesses and then the witnesses have to decide whether they're going to accept that or not and of course that is dozens of operators all over the world that will decide whether that's a good idea or not right Mm -hmm. and as a PDSA, we of course make recommendations to the network to you know about what we think is a good idea um the the witnesses may not think so so uh operators though in the states could do that Uh, of course with the wire act and everything else that you're dealing with i don't know how much you know about the the regulation craziness that goes on there (laughs) but um they they would have to get licensed in every single state and they would have to make sure that the state that they're complying with uh uh does does allow for sports betting specifically it's it is it is it is right now the situation in sports betting in the us is that federally it is no longer illegal. However, at the uh, state level, it is still illegal. It's, it's in a lot of in a lot of places, but a lot of places are now starting to make it legal, and they're all excited because, of course, everybody knows this is another opportunity to
0: make more money. Right. right. So. so currently, it's already legal <laughs> in New Jersey and Delaware, and New York State is also uh, making sports betting specifically legal. Um, That's right. So. I mean, it's going to just basically cause a huge explosion of uh, of new businesses growing in this area. Um, yeah, it's the way basically you've, uh, you've set up the system, it allows for, um, ha- I don't know if I should call them independent operators, like the people managing the front end and the interaction between uh, a client and the actual back-end platform. Um it's essentially their responsibility uh, as an operator uh, to ensure that their respective countries regulations have been followed for the people using their site
1: that's right and of course the token the token that they would issue um, which people receive would be representative of whatever uh, dollar or whatever the fiat would be in their region. And really that's where the regulations really uh, come into effect most of the time is that whenever you're using the dollars of something it's that that's where the concern is. Um, I think that, it's, what's interesting is that in our research, because if you see, if you look at what PBSA has been doing over the last few years, we, we do go to a lot of conferences, uh, industry-related conferences. And in, in the course of creating Bookie, we went to a lot of sports betting uh, type of conferences and uh, uh, gaming-related conferences to really get the lowdown on what's going on. So the most recent one that we attended uh, in relation to esports, I think, I attended in Mauritian Esports was back in November and was in New York. And what was really interesting is that even though um, they are now legalizing uh, sports betting in the States, the fact is everybody has been already doing it. And they know that there is over $400 billion a year going on. Uh, completely illegal. <laughs> and, uh, uh, um, but the thing is, is that people will find a way. And nice. if the regulations weren't allowing them to do it, they would go ahead and do it some way, somehow with somebody overseas. And at this point, the, I, I mean, the, the purpose of the regulators are to, to, to protect the, the end user. Um, but unfortunately, the fact is, is that if, and, and this is what they said, this is what we heard at these conferences is that, you know people have already found a way to be sports betting and they're already using some type of a provider that they already have a relationship with or they they aren't really getting hurt so they mm-hmm. are comfortable using them so while some people think that this is going to be like this instant uh flip where suddenly everybody's going to become a sports better because now it's legal it's not true it's it's actually been the people who do bet are are just going to continue to bet and they're not about to just move over to a regulated betting platform just because it's regulated and uh it was actually illustrated well with um uh, what was the name of them? Uh, DraftKings. So mm-hmm. they are in fantasy sports. And when the regulations changed and they were able to actually start to take real sports bets, they were shocked at just how low uh, the participation was. They didn't realize or they, they were caught off guard, actually, that they would have such a hard time with user acquisition in real sports betting because everybody who does it is already has, has a place that's unregulated the the theme that we we got from you know in these places and, and listening to everybody from from state representatives to regulators of here and there to the operators themselves was you know it's great that it's regulated we really want to try to make sure that we do it right and what that means is they want to do it in such a way that it's not going to continue to encourage using illegal like they don't want to make it so onerous that um, anyone who tries to get into becoming a regulated operator is just, it's too onerous. So they just end up going unregulated. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and still getting the customer either way. So
0: <laughs> that um, sounds like it, cryptocurrency.
1: <laughs> it do, isn't that crazy? Yeah. It yeah. Is. And so I was sitting there listening. So as we're sitting there listening to all this, we're just like, just, just big smiles on our faces. Cause it's just like, this is exactly where we want to be right. um, because we have this platform that allows for them to either, they want to go through the process, they can use this platform. If they don't want to go through the process, the platform's still there, you know? And so um, it's, it's quite exciting in that regard. But, um, and what was also interesting was, is that um, it's really, uh, it's really about uh, the, it was one thing that was interesting was the mobile aspect and the ease of access. And the fact is, is that people, because of the internet and because of, you know, the way things have advanced with mobile phones and everything else, it's too easy for people to simply use whatever it is that's presented to them in front of them to be able to pay whatever they want and be able to gain access to it. And those that, even though there's things like, you know, oh, you're from the US, so we can't accept your credit card, they just, people find ways, you Mm -hmm. know, and then they just get used to it and then it's no big deal to them. Um, So So I think that... (laughs) In the States, we do have an opportunity to help introduce to them blockchain technology so that they can get sports betting right as far as we're concerned. Um, But uh, I think that it's going to be a race, honestly. I think it'll be a race to um, them being able to set up things right so that people are just not driven to the unregulated markets as they already are like we aren't sports bettors or sports bettors this isn't going to create new sports bettors it's it's they're just they're they're already engaged in this activity to the tune of 4 billion a year in the US so yeah
0: <laughs> so so i can basically paraphrase in a way that i'm sure you don't want to say explicitly essentially if an operator wants to go through the regulation process then they can have a fiat to token exchange so, but if they don't want to actually go through the regulation, then they could do a token-to-token exchange. <laughs> like, already happens. Like, hey, you want to play with all of these unregulated, um, untested, unvetted cryptocurrencies? Go open an account in Binance. Oh, you want to have a regulated onboarding experience with a much smaller selection of tokens? Use Coinbase. It's kind of similar in that way, right?
1: it does have similarities yes and at the end of the day it's it's you know the fact is pure plays is is a open public decentralized blockchain and uh when when you have that you you're giving people the freedom to choose um and you're giving people the empowerment to uh use the platform uh however they need to or however they want to um we can only make recommendations of course that make sense um as an organization as an association (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but uh Um, At the end of the day, uh, very similar to, you know, the history of Bitcoin, people are going to use it how they, how they, you know, how the market wants to use it.
0: Cool. So you have a footprint in sports betting. Um, However, it seems like there's a natural progression into gaming in general. Um,
1: Yeah. So the reason, as I alluded to earlier, the reason that we got into that was about mass adoption. Um, because the sports betting industry as a whole is somewhere in the tune of $3 trillion worldwide. Uh, So even being able to break into 0.001% of that would be a crazy success, right? (laughs) So um, versus the gaming sector as a whole, where we're looking at esports. And if you look at our white paper, that's really where our origins began. Uh, because we talk a lot about um, being able to have uh, tournaments and things like that. And that's actually some of the functions we built into Pure Plays initially. But the industry as a whole was still too new and too small for us to really look at approaching it at that time. So that's why we decided that it would make more sense to um, really focus on these types of functionalities versus the esports functionalities.
0: Yeah, it makes sense.
1: Yeah. And now, of course, after it just so happens that as we've finished off um, with creating um, what effectively is a prediction mar- market for uh, sports, uh, we've now see esports actually suddenly um, taking off. Um, for the last year, it's just suddenly uh, attracted so much attention. Just recently, the largest prize pool of thirty million dollars uh, for an esports event uh, just took place. Uh, you see teams sprouting Was up that everywhere. that Dota
0: Two or which game? Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right.
1: And uh, there's now the, the interesting thing and. Just we can't really talk too much about what it is we're going to introduce uh, because we haven't released it yet. But um, on the big picture of things and where you want to have blockchain in that space, a lot of there's been a lot of talk about and there's been some projects that have tried to introduce something. And I think after we've, you know, we've spent some time with within the esports space and we've spent time in the streaming space, um, there, there are two sides of the same coin. Uh, When it comes to streaming and when it comes to esports, right? Um, Streaming is a huge industry in itself. Uh, It's very exciting. It's very grassroots, which is also awesome. That's very blockchain. Uh, But uh, esports is almost like the professional side of things. So uh, you can look at someone who's endeavoring to get into esports as pretty much like a professional athlete, right? Versus the person who's looking to get into streaming is almost like the person who wants to go into the WWF and entertain everybody, right? So, um, but uh, they both have different types of aspirations and different types of um, ways, to, uh, ways to grow in, in their craft. Now, what we see is that within the gaming industry, there's a lot of fragmentation happening. There's a lot of um, walled off gardens and we see that there's a lot of opportunity in regards to um, what's happening within game assets for example uh, there's some projects that have looked at addressing that in relation to being able to have the value of an asset from a game transferred to another game using blockchain uh, there is the possibility of um there's a possibility of introducing simply introducing cryptocurrency as uh something that people can accept for uh, for streamers and things like that, but I believe from a bigger vision that there is a, a much bigger opportunity for gamers to finally take ownership of their data, uh, because everywhere we look, we can see that gamers today, uh, whether they're esports, uh, you know, possible esports uh, contenders, to just being streamers at home, they're getting owned by Um, operators by sponsors by uh, everybody in the industry who's just looking to get a piece of them and at the end of the day they they just lack in uh, first it's because it's so new they just they lack the uh, um, experience to know what to do in a lot of these situations but they they aren't they aren't getting the the ownership of of what it is that they that they that they offer and i believe um that uh, blockchain, and I think the PurePlay's plays blockchain can help a great deal in regards to changing the way users and their gaming experience are able to become a part of their um, digital identity. Uh, so I imagine that eventually people who use blockchain, people who have um, a blockchain profile um, specifically connected with pure plays are gonna be able to play these different games and make, be able to utilize the experience from the games that they play. So, you know, back in the day, (laughs) hate to date myself here, but a long time ago when I was playing certain games, um, I can remember that I created some awesome profiles. Like I had some amazing characters, but now it's just digital dust. Like there's no way I can show or prove like any of the experience or anything that I've done. It's lost time. Uh, And of course, what is a blockchain, but timestamps. And I think, that, uh, I think that there's an opportunity for gamers to actually reclaim uh, the experience and to be able to have that harnessed in such a way where they can start to actually profit more from the experience that they are, they are bringing into these gaming environments um, and better connect with uh, existing sponsors and existing games out there. Uh, in other words, I think that blockchain is the solution to providing a greater interactive user experience uh, for for end users, for fans who watch streaming. Uh, I think that's where that's where blockchain can really shine. Uh, and And there's nothing else that can do it because like you, you if you turn again to a platform that's doing that kind of thing, you're now stuck with an operator, you're stuck with another platform. Uh, that, again, is holding all the data and deals with all those issues. If it's on a decentralized blockchain, it's something which only your private keys has has, has access to and has rights to, right? So I think that's very exciting.
0: I agree. Yeah, and I'm excited to hear uh, what your plans are and what your vision is um, in the space. It definitely seems like uh, an area that's ripe for disruption. And um, it's also something that It can be explored from so many different angles, right? As you mentioned, you basically mentioned multiple different angles of approaching um, blockchain-based gaming, right? But in the very least, it could help people escape the walled gardens that are controlled by either major game studios, uh, console platforms, um, everything, right? And these walled gardens are endemic in these gaming systems, and it's uh It's disempowering to be a gamer that you either literally follow the rules um, or you get shut out of a community that you put in a lot of time and effort that is really hard to take away from um, a specific platform, yeah, awesome so uh last question, is there anything that you would have liked me to ask you that I hadn't gotten a chance to Ah <laughs> uh,
1: um. Anything you'd like me to ask me? Uh, you know what, I think we've talked about pretty much, oh, um, I don't know if you saw that, but we had a, a recent uh, pure place improvement proposal that's called Sweeps. Uh, it's, about, it's basically introducing Lotto to the blockchain. Um, did you see any information on that online?
0: Um, no? I saw that it's still in proposal phase, um, yeah. but I'm not entirely sure how it works. Um, Okay. Um, So essentially,
1: what it does is it allows for somebody, the the purpose of that really was to create something that allows for, uh, I like to say this, I like to say it's, it's the Bitcoin of Lotto. (laughs) So you can, you can create a, you can create a, a sweepstakes, essentially uh it's not a lotto per se in regards to using odds and things like that um instead what it does is it's it creates a sweepstakes so that you can generate x amount of winners uh generate x amount of tickets um the tickets are sold either within a time frame or until the tickets are all sold out the smart contract itself will then resolve itself and then whatever funds um, have been uh, generated from the sale of the tickets then get distributed to whatever the percentages are for the sweepstakes, right? So it's called sweeps. Um, And so it can be as many winners as you want based on a percentage of whatever the total uh, pot that's collected becomes. Now, that's just how general sweepstakes work as using the application, you can be able to uh, simply go in and create one of these, usually for a good cause, right? So uh, generally speaking, people will create these uh, draws so that they can raise funds for some type of, um, sometimes it's a tragedy that's happened and they wanna be able to raise funds to help out. Uh, sometimes it's for um, uh, a religious organization. It could, be for, um, it could be for a charity. So there's there are different reasons why people would create these, these types of draws. Uh, running it on a blockchain though is very different than trying to run it on a platform right uh, first off platforms are subject to all the regulatory hurdles and issues uh, and then you of course are dealing with all the processing of the money that goes around and it's all it, it's it's it, it gets very cumbersome this is an open platform that allows very similar to what bookie does to allows for operators to be able to create something which is going to be transparent and accountable but it's also available to areas that don't have any kind of systems like this that they can utilize um, so the very first application that we that we've created for a front end uh, is called fi- is a 50/50 trial. Uh, so 50/50s, do you know what 50/50s are? No. Okay. so 50/50s are something that's somewhat popular in North America um, with small or single tickets. and what would happen is that a ticket will be picked and then whoever and whatever, whoever holds that ticket gets 50% of the total pot. The other 50% goes to whatever the charitable cause is. So it's very easy to understand. People like to play 50-50s because whether they win or lose, they know they're supporting a good cause, right? So it's it's a fun way to be able to let go of your money in supporting something. <laughs> because, right. hey, you may win something back, right? right. Um, so so um, we, we decided to focus on that type of application because uh, it's something that's easy for a lot of people to understand. And it's really meant for charities. It's really meant for good causes to raise funds for uh, those types of organizations. So um, with those, the operation, it's, it's really awesome because the whole uh, system that we've created uh, doesn't allow for anyone at any point to be able to know the results until it's been resolved. Uh, so even uh, the witnesses within the network would not be able to have any kind of determination of who the winning ticket will be. And we spent a lot of time engineering that to ensure that it really operated in a decentralized manner. And that is usually what is the what is the downfall a lot of these systems is that wherever the administrator is, they have really full, full reign over what's gonna happen and what's gonna be reported. Uh, so with sweeps, uh, we've got this 50-50 system. And uh, of course, when it's introduced to the pure plays blockchain, any token within the network is going to be able to utilize it. Um, PVSA, of course, is going to demonstrate it, and it's a bit fun. Uh, but uh, it's natively, natively, it would be able to support any tokens that exist in PurePlay. So it's going to be easy for um, anybody within the community to be able to uh, create a draw using PPY if they wanted to. Uh, but, of course, when suns are introduced, it's going to be possible to create these draws in Bitcoin as well. Uh, so that I think is going to be interesting because I see it all the time where something tragic has happened in some part of the world and what does the blockchain community do? They want to get up and they want to be able to help, right? So they all are like, Hey, let's get some, let's get some Bitcoin together and in some communities. I know in BitShares we've done it, you know, like, Hey, let's get some BTS together so we can help out, um, you know, the tragedy, uh, tragedy that's happened, uh, in some part of the world. Uh, and so they would look at trying to collect the funds and usually it's some guy who's you know handling all that. Um, in this case, it would be much, much more effective to actually introduce a draw uh, for 50-50. And then it's going to be all handled through smart contracts, all handled in a transparent and auditable way. And of course, be able to verify that the funds actually reach where they were supposed to go at the end. So uh, it's going to make it so that also, charitable organizations are now going to get into um, the area of being able to raise funds with the sector that they have trouble with now. Uh, a lot of organizations, nonprofits and, and charities are having a real trouble getting into uh, being able to get uh, millennials and Gen Zs actually supporting them because everybody has become very jaded about, you know, where's my money going? <laughs> you know they as as much as we want to be able to help out we've seen too many stories of you know where where these organizations just exist to be organizations uh and they aren't really helping as much with the cup co- with the cause that they represent as they should right. whereas if we're using cryptocurrencies in this space everything will be Uh, transparent and auditable and people can see where the money went right so it's it's something it's something that i think a lot of charities around the world should be looking at i do know that a lot of charities are starting to look at uh accepting bitcoin donations and whatnot um but through this they can now be able to run you know their own sweepstakes draws uh and use the cryptocurrency of their choice once we have Suns implemented uh and be able to provide the transparency that people want and Again, it's on a decentralized public, open blockchain, so it's open to anyone. So it means that traditionally, where people have done draws um, in a local, only usually fifty-fifties are done only in a local location. Um, this could be something of a fifty-fifty that reaches worldwide, uh, and uh, that's that's quite that's quite game-changing. So uh, it's a it's an exciting function. Once we have it introduced, um, I believe that it's going to be something else that a lot of people uh, like to utilize pure plays for. And it it means that not just with sweepstakes draws, there's all kinds of other kinds of interfaces that you can create that uses the same smart contracts underneath. So it it could mean dozens of different kinds of games uh, that could be really fun.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a good uh, demonstration of the underlying provable fairness of your system. And it's like a tangible introduction into um, the mechanics of your system. Um, so I agree. It's definitely a way that you can kind of like onboard people and demonstrate the capability of your platform. Nice. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, it was great talking to you. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing an update about what uh, what's going on.
1: Well, uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to our social media, uh, get on our Twitter and uh, our medium and uh, uh, keep up with us.
0: And yeah, we please, have, uh, we'll add them to the show notes. And how can people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, well, I'm on. Uh, if they go to Telegram, um, I'm in the Pure Plays Telegram channel all the time. Uh, I'm easily reachable there. We also have a Discord uh, server that we set up uh, that they could be able to get access from the Telegram, probably, actually. Uh, we should make that more public now that they say that. Uh, but uh, the yeah, you can, you can reach me uh, from, from within Telegram.
0: Great. Looking forward to it. We'll have uh, links in the show notes so that people can get in touch with you. And uh, thanks a lot. Wish you the best of luck.
1: Thank you, and thank you so much for having me.
0: OK, great.